Hi everyone, my name is Justin. Welcome to another edition of Church Everywhere. Wherever you are tuning in from, I want to welcome you and I'm just so glad you're here with us. Even though we cannot meet face to face yet, I want to encourage you not to give up meeting together. It's because when we do meet together, Christ is with us and we as his people really need that. And how much more in times when globally we're facing so many challenges, when we do meet together, we allow Christ to speak to us as a group, but also individually so that we can respond to him more faithfully. And so church, continue to meet like you are right now. Last week, we heard a profound and practical message on forgiveness from Pastor Tim and Pastor Andrew. I don't know if you heard it yet, but if you haven't, I encourage you to go and listen to it. Within this message was packed with precious gems and secrets of God's kingdom within this message. For those of us who have heard it, I want to encourage you to find that one thing that resonated with you, sit on it, dwell with it, ask God to speak deeper to you about it, and I pray that dialogue would change you. This Sunday, we will continue to host our online prayer rooms. This would be a great opportunity for us to continue to pray together. Our pastoral team will be available on Zoom for prayer at 10 a.m. as well as 3 p.m. today. You can scan the QR codes to join a session. Pastor Louise and Eamon from Branches of Hope will now share some of their insights on how we can be better informed to care for the needs of different communities in this time. Hi, I'm Louise, I'm a pastor at The Vine, and one of the communities I serve is Philcom, or Filipino community. Hi, I'm Eamon. I'm the executive director of Branches of Hope. We work with refugees, asylum seekers, and trafficking survivors, and we are serving a rise community within the church. As you may aware, refugees and asylum seekers in Hong Kong are quite isolated from local society. With the current situations, they're getting more vulnerable and marginalized because of lack of information regarding virus outbreak, regarding healthcare situations, regarding uh, resources about how to get hygiene supplies, for example. And some of the community members actually lack of devices, connections and data at their home so they stay connected with the current situations. Some of the kids at home, actually, they lack of access to online learning platform. So actually that add to the challenges. And with the inflated daily commodity price and the lack of options of where they can choose to buy their things from, that actually cause stress to these community members. The men and women of Filipino community are also feeling quite isolated at the moment. Many of them are not being allowed out by their employer because their employer wants to protect them from the virus. Not being able to gather face to face is also affecting them because we are their family in Hong Kong. Philcom are also missing not being able to serve at the Vine. Many of them are in KFC serve on the host team or on the service prayer team. Another challenge is not having data or reliable Wi-Fi access, so they've not really been able to enjoy church everywhere as much as the rest of us. And then finally, 
The up-to-date information is very much needed about the travel ban. We've had some members who've missed weddings or funerals or some are still stuck in the Philippines or have not been able to make it back home. From STOP program's perspective, we are monitoring the situations that reported from some of our clients. They're being made to work during their rest days, contributed by the live-in law. They're living with their employer, so even on a Sunday, which is their rest day, they also need to work. We are also monitoring another report that came out from Nowu Prison. We learned that there are some female inmates are being made to work six to 10 hours a day, sometimes on night shifts as well. And they are only being paid $800 per month, which is way less than minimum wage. As we're unable to meet face to face or online as Philcom at the moment, we're sending cards of encouragement, reflections, and the Church Everywhere information sheets through the post to people's homes. We're also passing on reliable information about the travel ban. Then we're trying to phone people regularly to check in, see how they are, encourage them and pray with them. And for Arise, we have been making special arrangements so our community can continue to gather safely and physically. And at the same time, we also develop short videos, including announcements, short messages, so that we reach out to them through WhatsApp. And with the generous donations from the congregations, we collected, repackaged, and distributed face masks for both adults and children, hand sanitizers to our community members. At the same time, we disseminate information regarding healthcare tips in various minority languages. For those community members with kids at home, We've started to do home visits so that we reach out to them with hygiene supply materials, with some education materials like storybooks as well. Our RISE community members are very resilient. They're not just relying on support, but they can be part of the actions to respond to the current crisis. We find out that almost half of the street cleaners on the island side they're actually Nepalese. So we call on our community members and some passionate community members actually joined it, our outreach by distributing face masks, hand sanitizers, and talk to these Nepali street cleaners so as to find out the needs and inform our future actions, to look around and care for our neighbors. Try to identify the most marginalized and deprived, understand their needs, and just to remember small kind actions can be infectious. It would be really good if you could reach out and encourage your neighbours at this time. So many people are feeling really discouraged and fearful. And then particularly for our Filipino community, if you can pray protection over them and their families, because many of them are not at home and they don't know what's going on. And it's very unnerving not knowing what's going on at home at this time. Thank you, Church. 
Church, thank you so much for your continued generosity to what God is doing here at The Vine within all the communities and in our partnerships beyond these four walls. Without your generosity, we really cannot do what we do week in, week out. So I want to say on behalf of the leadership, behalf of On The Church, thank you. Church, there are many ways in which you can give at this time. You can scan the QR codes that you see on your screen. You can transfer to us electronically. You can even send us a check. But for more details, you can visit vinechurch.life giving. Let us now turn our hearts and our entire persons to reflect and remember God's goodness and His faithfulness and His generosity to each of us. Wherever you are, I pray that you would hear his invitation to you right now and you would enjoy his presence because he is here with us. Let us now join the worship team. So Lord, as we enter into worship, help us to cast our burdens at your feet. Help us to cast fear and anxiety down at your feet, God. And in that place, fill us with hope. Fill us with joy. Fill us with passion. Fill us with love. And all good things that flow from your throne, God. Embolden us and empower us today. And give us strength as we move forward together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
to you 
me vision To see things like you do God, I look to you You're where my help comes from Give me wisdom You know just what to do And I will love you, Lord, my strength Forever all my 
days I will love you, God. Yeah. Oh, I love you, Lord. <laughs> oh, we pour it out, pour it out. Oh, we pour. Let us now open up our hearts to what God might want to say to us through Pastor Andrew and our elder Susanna in our current sermon series, Red Letters. Hey church, uh, last week we started our brand new series that leads up to Easter called Red Letters, where we're taking a look at those last seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. And we're not going to have a chance between now and Easter to look at all of the sayings, but we're handpicking the ones that we feel are are relevant for us right now in this virus season that we're in and and all that's happening for us at the Vine and around the world globally. We want to look at these particular words that have something to say that are relevant to us in this moment. And last week, uh, Pastor Tim took us through that beautiful reflection on forgiveness as we took a look at those words of Jesus where he says, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do. This week, uh, we're really blessed to uh, have uh, one of our elders, Susanna Lynham, with us. And she's going to be taking us through uh, what Jesus does in the term of salvation in those last moments on the cross. And to help set that up for us, I want to read to you the passage that we're going to be uh, looking at together today. Uh, It's found in Luke, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, uh, and it starts in verse 32. Let me read this uh, for us. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they were crucified with him, uh, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And then they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar, and they said, If you are the King of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read this, This is the King of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserved. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said this, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. 
These words are, are incredibly comforting to us because they show us that at this moment of Jesus's great suffering as he heads into death, he still has compassion and love to welcome people into his kingdom. And right at the start of this conversation with Suzanne, I want to challenge you wherever it is that you might be watching this. Uh, open up your heart uh, to the beauty of God's salvation and the gift of his presence fresh with you today. Let's have this conversation with Susanna. Susanna, it is such a privilege to have you on Church Everywhere. Welcome. Thank and you. Uh, I know you've done um, some great study around this passage that we're looking at today. So thanks for giving us your time and your insight. Um, so we've just uh, read that passage and gone through mm -hmm. it. Uh, what, what are some of the things that stand out for you personally in that passage? Well, firstly, um, the suffering of Jesus mm. and his actions in the midst of that suffering. And secondly, the responses of the people around Jesus. Right. I think those are two great things that we can dig into uh, in, in our time together is, is both of those things. How, how he sort of, you know, suffers in that moment and <laughs> reaches out and then the response of those around him in the moment. Last week, we started with Pastor Tim looking at forgiveness. And mm. one of the things that we commented last week was just how incredible it is that there's Jesus in like this incredible, amazing moment of suffering and yeah. yet he reaches out and, and offers forgiveness to those that were hurting him. Mm. Um, and I think we see something similar in this passage as well. Yes, yeah, sometimes the beautiful images that we see of Jesus hanging on the cross in, in paintings and in artworks, um, they cause us to not really understand what he would have looked like on that day. Right, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, the nails and the spear in his side were just the end of a long line of pain that he experienced that day. Mm -hmm. You know, he was he was scourged by the Roman soldiers. You know, they stripped him. His his back, his buttocks were, were, were flayed with mm -hmm. this whip that was called a flagellum. Mm -hmm. And it was a whip that was made of many strands. And embedded in those strands were bits of iron, um, sheep's, bo sheep's bone, and the whole purpose of that whip was to strip a man of his flesh. <laughs> and besides that, they, they made a crown of thorns, they forced it on his head, they spat on him, they mocked him, they beat him around the head. So the reality is that Jesus would have been bloodied. Mm. He would have been barely recognizable. And it's in this state that he opens up his heart to a dying criminal beside him. See, what amazes me by that is that, you know, if we think about ourselves in our own time of suffering and pain, uh, we more naturally kind of isolate ourselves. We become more selfish. We actually become more self-centered when we are suffering. And here we see Jesus in his moment of greatest suffering um, doing everything but that. He's actually going outwards towards the other. I mean, that just, I just can't get my head around that really. Exactly. Um, you know, in our time of suffering, those are the moments that we think, how could I possibly help somebody else? Right. I, I'm struggling. How could I reach out to somebody else in the midst of their suffering? Mm. And Jesus demonstrates here that it is possible that in the midst of great wounding, in, in the midst of great pain and suffering, you actually can meet somebody else in the middle of their pain and suffering. And this actually reminds me um, of something my friend experienced. Mm. Um, you know, she, she'd tried for many years to fall pregnant and she'd had multiple miscarriages. And finally, she carried a child full term mm. and, and had a beautiful little baby girl. 
but within 24 hours of that child being born, she died. And the doctors couldn't give her a reason. They couldn't explain to her how this perfect little girl had passed away. Mm. And I met up with her some months later and um, she was just sharing her experiences with me. And she said, you know, Susanna, the church is not good with dealing with loss and suffering. And she said to me, we, we have to become better at sitting with people in the midst of their pain and right. their grief. You know, I, I think this is such a key point, actually, when we think about where we are as a city, where we are globally right now with this virus, that um, in, in the times of people's great suffering and strife and anxiety and fear, how can we as a church learn to express Christian love in the most profound way that we can? And that is, uh, by sitting with people in the midst of their grief, in the midst of their struggles, and not necessarily trying to solve all their issues, but learning to be present uh, mm -hmm. as, as the presence of Christ is with people in their hardest moments. Um, so so how, how can we put that into practice and what does that yeah. begin to look like for us? Well, I think we start by recognizing that we're all wounded mm -hmm. and, and that we all have needs. You know, Jesus was wounded. And he had needs in this moment. And yet he puts aside his own needs and he reaches out and becomes this wounded healer to this man. And I think we can do the same. I actually have a story about this from my own life. Um, some years ago, I landed into China after recently becoming a member care director for a Christian NGO. And I landed in the midst of great personal turmoil. I had just experienced a deep betrayal by somebody that I loved. And I, I landed feeling like my world was never going to be the same again. Right. I was really in a lot of pain. And I, so, and I had to begin these sessions, you know, ministering to other people. And I remember sitting in the first session with a beautiful couple. And they began to share with me the struggles they were facing. They began to share with me... Uh, this, this trust that they'd lost because there'd been a betrayal in their marriage. And as I sat there listening to them, it suddenly dawned on me why I was walking through this season in my life. Because in that moment, I could meet this couple mm -hmm. in the midst of their pain and suffering. I could really understand. I could empathize with their wounds because of the wounds I was carrying. And I could also comfort them with the same whispered comforts I was hearing from God, those very same things I could give away to them. Jesus held out his wounded hands to Thomas. We need to hold out our wounded hands to others. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, you know, I've noticed the same actually in my, my time as a pastor. Mm. Um, you know, I've been a pastor for 10 years, but all the stuff that happened to me prior to that and all the brokenness that has been in me have been probably the most profound places of ministry that yeah. have come out of those times. And I think that wounded healer idea is such a critical thing for us to embrace yeah. uh, as we seek to minister to one another as Christians. So, so we've looked at this idea of, of the suffering of Christ on the cross and, and the beauty of his reaching outwards to the mm, other in the midst mm. of that suffering. So there's this second reflection that you had around how people respond. Um, and, I, and I think in the text itself, we actually see uh, two uh, really key things that take place. We see um, the, the two different responses from yeah. the criminals on either side of Christ. You know, mm. um, the one criminal uh, who is on uh, the one side, he, he begins to have this experience of mocking and judging yeah. Christ and, yeah. and sort of says, well, if you're the Messiah, then, you know, save yourself <laughs> and us, you know, and mm. it's kind of almost this mocking response to Jesus. 
And then on the other side, the other criminal who, who's done exactly the same thing, who's, who's being condemned alongside yeah. the other guy, he has a completely different response. And, yes. and he, he actually says, you know, hey, we deserve being on this cross, but mm. this guy right here is innocent. He yeah. doesn't deserve it. Um, and, and he sort of in that place of humility and honesty turns to Jesus and says, you know, <laughs> would you remember me when, yeah. when, when, when you get to heaven? You know, yeah. would you remember me? Yes. Um, and so two very stark different responses from two people very in close proximity <laughs> with Christ. Um, yes. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your reflections on that. You know, I, I always found that um, pain and suffering are great revealers. You know, they, they strip away all of our masks mm. and they give us an opportunity to see ourselves clearly and also to see others clearly uh, when they're suffering. And so in this moment, both criminals, they're so close to what they need. You know, they're both so close to salvation and, and they're literally meters away from Jesus. And yet one misses out one doesn't see what's right there in mm. front of him. Mm. Their heart responses were very different, as you just mentioned. Um, the first thief seems blinded by his, um, his judgment of Jesus, you know, his cynicism. Um, and this stops him from seeing what's right in front of him. You know, um, I, I think that's what suffering does, actually. I, 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 think, I think pain and suffering can blind you mm. from actually seeing things in the right perspective. I, uh, you know, we talked a lot about the last year for me in, in mm. terms of my father passing and, you know, the journey that I've been through in that. And uh, I, I remember when I came back from sabbatical back in uh, November and I shared with the church that, that there had been a lot of pain in my life. Uh, and, and I had expressed that pain towards God uh, in, a, in a sense of almost an anger yeah. and a frustration to Jesus um, mm. because of the pain that I was feeling. And so I think pain does blind us um, from the goodness of the, mm. of the other and, and from a Christian perspective, from the goodness of God at times yeah. and can kind of make us go like, well, where are you, God? Why aren't you helping me? Exactly. Um, you're not good. You know, well, you're not faithful. <laughs> we begin to doubt the promises of God because mm. we're doing it from a place of, of pain. Yeah. Yeah, I think if we're honest, um, our response to God during suffering is often very similar to this man. Right. You know, um, the second criminal, however, has this, in this incredibly different response, which is very surprising. You know, he, he opens up his heart and he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Mm. And, and Charles Ellicott says this is a singularly touching moment where there was such trust implied in this appeal. Mm. You know, this man was content to just not be forgotten by Jesus, mm. you know. So having the same set of circumstances placed before them, this thief chooses to believe. Mm. You know, mm. he chooses to, to see what's right in front of him. You know, these last moments of Jesus really capture the gospel. You know, the, the, the gospel presented equally to all people, you know, that we're offered the same terms regardless, you know. Mm. And we are still being presented this same gospel today. Jesus is still reaching out his hands to us and saying, you can be with me in paradise. So we all get the chance to, I guess, see and respond to the gospel in our lives. Uh, mm. We can either say, you know, receive me into your paradise, Christ, or we can turn our backs and mock uh, like that criminal did on the cross. Yeah, I think the, the, the second thief, he turns to Jesus and by Jesus's grace, he enters into the fullness that God 
has for him. Mm. You know, Jesus embraced him fully just as he was. He offers him relationship and salvation. He says, you will be with me today in paradise. You know, um, there'll be people listening today that need to hear this. You know, you've been living your life as you've wanted to live it on your own terms. And it's taken you to empty places, to dark places. And you're sitting here listening today and you're so dissatisfied with your life. And you need to know that Jesus is mere meters away from you. And he is holding out his arms to you and he's offering you the same thing. He's saying today, you can be with me in paradise. I will embrace you just as you are. There are also uh, many of us watching this that already have a relationship <laughs> with Christ or are already in that place of great salvation. Um, but for us, I guess the challenge in this text is how do we respond to those around us um, that haven't yet made that choice for Jesus? And how are we to walk with those kinds of people? Yes, I think this, this moment in the Bible is beautiful because it shows us that the kingdom of heaven is offered to all. Right. And so it, it should cause us to ask the question, you know, who is in our life? Do we have people in our lives who are broken, disillusioned, lost? You know, do we mix with them? Do we invite them into our homes? Do we listen and walk with them through their darkest moments? Do we hold out our wounded hands to them when they're in pain and when they're suffering? Or are we more like the Roman soldiers and the Pharisees who, who looked on from a distance you know, they were indifferent and they were really full of self-righteousness. That's actually what I, I love about this text is that uh, in the passage, you see Luke offering us multiple different responses to, to what Jesus is saying yeah. and doing yeah. in that moment. And each of those different responses, the majority of them, other than that one criminal, are negative responses. They're <laughs> yeah. mocking responses. Yeah. And it's only that one out of the whole crowd that actually responds in a positive way. So my question for you, Susanna, is mm. what do you think it is that holds us back or that stops us from actually responding in a positive, I want to be with you in paradise kind of moment? Mm. Yeah. I think if we look at the people who were there, you know, um, it seems that there are things that can keep us from recognizing the presence of God mm. and stepping fully into the plans that he has for us. And the three things that I see quite clearly are self-complacency, self-righteousness, and self-sufficiency. Where, where do we actually see self-complacency in this text, do you think? Well, self-complacency, you know, it's a smug, uncritical satisfaction with yourself and with your position and your achievements. And we see this quite clearly um, in the response of the first you know, criminal. You know, here he is, he has the same opportunity as the other man um, to be honest, mm -hmm. to examine his life, to throw himself on the mercy of Jesus. Mm. And yet he refuses, he clings to his position. You know, he, he trusts um, in his own cynical judgment of Jesus and he doesn't shift from that position. Yeah, I think you also see self-complacency in, in that group that's gathered at the foot of the cross yeah. that are casting lots, you know, mm. for Jesus's possessions. I mean, Jesus yeah. is not even dead yet. And there they are uh, almost sort of just ignoring him, uh, mm. leaving him to his fate of death and just casting lots for his for his possessions. It's almost like they're playing this position of power and mm. privilege mm. and lording it over the one mm. that is condemned. And I think, again, that shows that sense of self-complacency in my own lot in life and ignoring <laughs> yeah. the yeah. other. Yeah. You know, there were people in the crowd who were also responding 
in self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is believing that your ideas and your behavior are morally better than those of other people. And we see this in the Jewish rabbis, the, mm. the priests, mm. the Pharisees who were there. Mm. You know, they believed that they held the spiritual power and authority. And Jesus was actually on the cross because he'd called this into question with his very life. So Jesus had openly challenged the Sadducees and the Pharisees about the way that they promoted themselves above others mm. and how that they neglected to meet the needs of the vulnerable. Mm. So we've looked at self-complacency, we looked at self-righteousness. Mm -hmm. The third one you mentioned was self-sufficiency. Mm -hmm. uh, where did you see that in the text? So self-sufficiency is when you believe you can supply your own needs and you have an extreme confidence in your own resources and in your own power. Right. And we see this reflected in the Roman soldiers and the centurion who were there at the cross. You know, they were part of the Roman Empire. They were part of the Roman army, which was one of the strongest um, in the world at this time. So they would be, have been extremely confident in the resources they had at their disposal. And then also we see the centurion. Now, centurion was given authority over 100 soldiers. Mm. You know, they were considered the elite of the Roman army. Um, they were known for their courage. They would lead their soldiers into battle. They were also known for their intelligence. And so this man would have been a hardened veteran. He would have been, he was there at the cross because he was in charge of the crucifixion. So he would have been very sure of his own abilities and his own strengths. I think what's interesting in this passage is that not only do these guys fail to actually see the salvation in Christ, they actually fail to even realize that they're in the presence of God, right? <laughs> yes, um, and, yes. And, and that's, that's incredible to think that we, uh, because of our self-complacency and self-righteousness and self-sufficiency, we can actually even just fail to realize when we're in the presence of God. Yes, we need to be like the second thief. You know, he responds to Jesus with honesty and humility. You know, we need to take a moment in our life to see if any of these three things are at work within us. So how do we then respond? Okay, well, if there's a niggle inside of us today, if we are sensing that there is something um, at work in us, one of these three things or more than one of these three things, um, we need to be ruthless in digging it out. And we need to respond in humility, which is the quality of not being proud, of understanding that we're flawed. And we also need to respond in honesty, you know, being truthful and not hiding anything. Mm. Um, you see, humility and honesty will always lead us into the presence of Jesus. Mm. It will always lead us into the plans that he has for our life. Whereas pride, um, self-reliance, you know, self-complacency, these things, they cause us not to see Jesus. They cause us to miss God even when he's mere meters away from us. I want to just actually take a moment to, to pause here and connect with anyone who's watching uh, online this week with us who perhaps uh, have never uh, confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But you've been listening to what Susanna and I have been talking about and you recognize one of, if not more of those three elements at work in your life and you're wanting to respond in this moment. And um, the Bible, Bible says quite clearly that those who confess with their mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, they will be saved. And so mm. one of the ways in which we can be assured of walking into salvation, into that paradise like that uh, thief on the cross on that day. Uh, one of the ways we do that is just through simply praying. 
and uh, having an honest prayer uh, before the Lord. And uh, you may never have prayed like this before, but you might be like, today I want to know that I have that salvation with God. Whether that's you, all you need to do is in a moment just pause uh, church everywhere and, and pray this simple prayer. Just simply say, Lord Jesus, uh, I ask that you would come into my life in this moment. I realize that I have done things that have hurt you and hurt me and hurt others. And I confess and bring those things to you now. And I ask that you would forgive me. And as you forgive me, I know that I now walk into eternal life. It's a simple prayer like that. Uh, and I want to encourage anyone, if you're feeling the prompting of God to make that prayer right now and to come into that place of salvation, just pause this, pray that short, quick prayer, and that will start you on a journey. And yeah. I, I want to just say this too, that that prayer is not the answer to everything. That no. prayer is a significant changing point mm. in your heart and in your life, but it starts you on a new journey. And that's the journey of coming into faith and growing in your faith. And we at The Vine would love to walk with you in whatever way we can. Or if you're watching this from another context, a local church near you would love to come around you and help you to live out a Christian life in the best way that you can. Mm. So, Susanna, um, also the reality is that, that many people are watching, um, you know, again, have already taken that step into salvation. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you and I were discussing earlier that I think there's even something that's more challenging and profound for those mm. that, that have salvation already. What does this text really uh, challenge them to take home with them in this moment? I would love all of us to reflect on one clear reality, mm. and that's that salvation is, is costly. You know, what Jesus was doing on the cross was uh, valuable. It was profound, mm. but it was also deeply costly. Mm. He was giving his life a ransom for many. He was fulfilling the call of God on his life. He was teaching us a deep truth mm -hmm. and he was leaving us a vivid picture of what sacrificial service and submission look like. You know, uh, lots of voices told Jesus, you know, save yourself, you know, give up. You know, and a lot of voices questioned his calling, you know, if you are the son of God, you know, if you are the king of Jews. Um, and Jesus stayed there. He, he, he stayed on the cross and he was showing us that people are worth fighting for. Mm. People are worth suffering for. Mm. He taught us that for profound change to take place, it will always require a profound cost. I finish with this because, you know, there's a reason why we are called to take up our crosses daily. Today, if we've surrendered our life to Jesus, but we find ourselves in the midst of pain and suffering, my encouragement to anyone who's listening is don't give up. Right. Don't give up. You know, being a part of profound change, whether that's waging an internal battle against self-complacency, self-righteousness and self-sufficiency, or waging an external battle for the people around you and the society you live in, it will always require a profound cost. Mm. I think this point on the deep sacrifice and the cost of our discipleship, of what it means to live out our Christ-likeness in the world, is actually something that's really key for every single one of us to be reflecting and to and, and to be praying into uh, in the week that is ahead of us. And I want to really encourage you to do so. And when I think of costly sacrifice, I do think of our eldership. Uh, and Susanna, I'm so grateful that you would uh, be with us today, having done the work in this text, uh, sharing your heart with us. And, uh, and thank you for the sacrifices that you 
and Glenn uh, and your family have made uh, for the Vine Church over the years. We're so grateful. Um, I want to uh, deeply encourage you to uh, lean into all that we've been sharing. And uh, we have a worksheet that's been put together as we've been doing every week for Church Everywhere. Uh, you'll be able to look at that worksheet right at the end uh, of uh, our, our podcast today. Uh, so make sure you stick around and check out those questions. And again, if you're on your own, uh, get out your journal or your phone, go to your notes section and read those questions and begin to immediately uh, reflect for yourself personally. And if you're there uh, meeting with a small group, wherever you might be around the city or the world right now with the small group that's gathered, uh, have a conversation around those questions that you can find at the end of the podcast. Thanks so much, Susanna, for being with us. No worries. Church, I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Church Everywhere. Do remember to keep in touch with what's happening at The Vine through our church website and all our social media platforms. I want to remind you that there's a dedicated group of people who would love to pray for you at 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. today. And also throughout the week, if you want to connect with someone on our pastoral team, you want someone to pray with you, please, you can message us through vinechurch.life care. Well, until next week, take care and continue to be true to yourself as you and I follow God together. See you soon.